and welcome to Maths Talk by AMC Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Linnell Campbell, a numeracy consultant, PhD candidate, and an advocate for helping stop the struggle and anxiety in primary maths classrooms by teaching teachers what works so students can get maths and leave school numerate. Welcome, Linnell. Thank you, Leanne, for having me, and I'm really looking forward to sharing these strategies. We're really excited to have you here. Reading your LinkedIn and website really fired me up about today's podcast, and I'm excited for you to share your thoughts with us. But before we get into it, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your mathematical journey, what drives you? I guess what drives me is helping students who struggle. That's definitely been my driving motivation since way back. Won't give you some years or decades. And I remember not knowing how to help the students who struggled in my T stage classroom. And I felt quite overwhelmed by that. So I thought special education was the way to go. So I went into that to learn a lot more in the way of strategies and the differences in children's way of learning. And I felt that really set me up for for mainstream teaching. There's a little plug. I think all mainstream teachers should do as much as they can in special ed training as well because we know we have students in our classrooms with all sorts of needs and backgrounds and disabilities and learning difficulties etc so I yeah went into mainstream schools using that in a learning support role for many years but I have to admit and I think a lot of schools would agree that we prioritize literacy over numeracy when we're providing support to students that's what I did I have to confess. And then I decided I still wanted to keep learning as I love learning. And I guess on that point, I love sharing. I want children to love learning. And I guess that's, that's part of what drives me back to that point. I always feel sorry for students who are sitting in class feeling dumb or coming home saying, I hate school or I hate learning. I think to me, that's quite a tragedy because we need to keep learning all our lives. So I decided I was going to keep learning and I started some more in my master's and I swapped from a coursework master's in special ed to a research master's and I was challenged to look at numeracy. I remember saying to my supervisor, well, I'm a bit of a literacy person. And he passed me an article where he said, number sense is to maths as phonemic awareness is to reading and early literacy. I really jumped at that. And then that started me a journey that's going back a while now since I did that. And I was just shocked, I guess, when I got into the research in that area and meeting people and telling people I was studying in maths. We might talk about that later around the maths and numeracy, how I think they're actually a bit different, although very much combined. But people would say, oh, you're a mathematician or whatever. And I'm like, no, not in what society would say mathematicians are. I guess to me, a mathematician is someone who makes that their life work. So no, I'm not. And I, I wouldn't say I'm the person to ask if you want to work out the change at the restaurant. But well, don't you always get asked that? <laughs> yeah, I'd say, oh, you're the numbers person to be able to do this. And of course, if I make a mistake, it's, oh, you're the numbers person. How are we expected to do it if you can't do it? Yeah. Yeah. But Mm. I found it interesting how much people hated maths. I never hated maths. 
like I say, I went into a trajectory of literacy because I prioritised it for similar reasons to schools, I think. I think we think that's the most important thing. However, I'm not trying to promote that numeracy is more important than literacy. However, I do promote that it's equally as important and that students need support in numeracy to the same level that we're providing it in literacy. And I was surprised to learn how little schools are really doing in that area in the way of numeracy support. And also the longer I've been in it, the sadder the stories sometimes. I actually ask teachers to share their stories about whether they like maths or don't like maths. And you can virtually guarantee that it goes back to a school experience that's either negative or positive as to why they do or don't like maths. So I guess that's driven me to just keep looking at what works for the students' sake. And also I've discovered that I can help teachers reduce their own anxiety around teaching maths when we share Mm. what works and they get pretty excited about seeing their students improve and their students engagement improve and that's what teachers do teaching for isn't it they want to make a difference to students so when they start to see that it does that empowers them and excites them too absolutely yeah we do have a podcast that we did sometime last year I think on maths anxiety and teachers. If anyone's interested in that, have a listen to it. We are going to do more on maths anxiety in students, but we thought that was a really good place to start because that then leads on to the anxiety in the students and that trauma that kids go through and give up on maths. I was really shocked in a secondary school. They have just got rid of any math assistance. They had a program where they did literacy and numeracy they are concerned with literacy, they're concentrating on that now. So any maths assistance that students get now is purely through the tutoring program. It's devastating. It concerns me. Concerns me of how if in the tutoring, any tutoring programs, are we using the right strategies to help or are we just doing more of the same? So hopefully what we cover today might help anybody who is in a tutoring role Helping students get maths is not necessarily going back to maybe a year or two below what they were doing and finding a textbook in that and just working your way through that. That's not going to help students get maths and get positive engagement and joy of learning that we're looking for. So how did you fall into your, you might not have fallen, you might have purposely driven into your PhD. Purposely trying to be <laughs> because once I finished my master's in early numeracy with the number sense focus, and I actually discovered was schools are really looking for a program to help students who struggle in maths. And I've gone into the area of early intervention, a lot of research around the fact that if we start early, we can avoid a trajectory of failure or a cycle of failure. And that feeling of I'm dumb. And I remember working in schools and meeting little children, even as young as in year one, saying, I'm no good at maths. I remember thinking, wow, you're only in year one. How have you made this decision? That upsets me. What are we doing? We've got to be doing something wrong in the classroom to make them make those decisions about themselves. I know there are other issues that we've alluded to around teachers maybe feeling anxious. And I know parents can feel anxious and pass that on to their children. If any parents are listening, one of my 
take-homes would be, please don't tell your child that you're bad at maths mm. and that you were no good at maths because they go, you're surviving very well and you can't do maths, then obviously I don't need to either. And it's a whole other area of concern to address. It's, I think it's a big problem that we have in our society around helping students who struggle with maths at high levels entrenched in that belief that it's okay not to be good at maths and, and we're happy to tell people that we're no good at maths. I'm just shocked that you can see people presenting on a big stage to thousands of people and they're quite open about saying, oh, I was no good at maths. Okay. It's something we at AMSI cry over continually. <laughs> You'll see it on TV in front of millions of people, respected people, very happy to say that they were good at maths. Yeah, I wanted to develop a program through this in early intervention in number sense and test it for efficacy. So that's my research will be. And at the end of it, I'm planning on having a wonderful program that teachers can pick up and run with. Easy to implement from the teacher's point of view, but really effective and enjoyable from the child point of view. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I can hardly laugh. Thanks to us. Now, I love a guest who comes to me with a numbered list. So I'm really just going to ask you, what are your seven high impact strategies for success in maths? I'm going to start with the number one, learn what number sense is. I have come to the conclusion from my research and teaching experience with students and also with many schools now, if we prioritize number sense and, and learn what that means as a teacher, and learn how to help students to develop it, we get amazing results in the longer run for students' mathematical outcomes. So number sense as a definition, there's still a lot of debate in the research. I've come up with one in my PhD, which we're still molding. It's the relationship between numbers, understanding how numbers relate, how they can be unpacked and part whole of the numbers and there's a lot of language around that how close numbers are together how far apart they are what numbers are in between um, numbers how you can skip count numbers and how many times etc the very best visual that I've used and that the research supports is that a number line to build number sense I've just found that to be highly effective I have had to accommodate if you like, for using hundreds charts, because as students get older, of course, you can't physically fit the number in your room, although that is a fun thing to try and do because it's visually so powerful to see how far a number is away from another number if you make it into that measurement. Yep, so that's number sense. And there's a lot of patterns in that too. I'll probably mention patterns a few times, but helping children to see the patterns in numbers is, and that we have a beautiful system in, with our numbers in that they do repeat and we don't have to learn every number in isolation. The place value comes into that. That's all part of the number sense as well. But for students who are having trouble getting maths, you have to actually draw their attention to that. Don't assume that they can see it. And I know there might be argument around letting students discover that. Students who are struggling 
especially if they're older students, you must point it out to them. They haven't got any more time to catch up and find and have the luxury of discovering it. And also draw attention even to the younger ones. I love, that's why I love having number sense activities in the classroom where we're all joining in together and having students all share their different ways that they've seen number five, for example, unpacked. What's number five to you? What's it look like to you? How would you describe it? And then students can hear this whole rich language of the number. They can see it in different ways. But also I would, if, I, if it was a student who was struggling, I would be pointing out, have a look mm. at And isn't that wonderful? Making maths real is going to be my second point which I think is numeracy. The definition for numeracy is being able to use the maths that you have to solve real life problems in everyday context and having the willingness and capacity to do. So maths and numeracy certainly go together. I feel like priority would be number sense. You've got to make sure a student has number sense before you launch into maths as a curriculum or a subject but you also need to keep in mind the fact that they're going to take this maths out into the real world so let's see how much we can put into the real world even while we're teaching maths in the classroom so make the links it's also very engaging I love to make links with chocolate the students I work with think that I'm a chocoholic because every time we're doing 10 frames for example and we're trying to do tenths or hundredths I talk about look if I've eaten this one little square in the corner, how much have I eaten? But what if I keep eating? And then they look at me like, you've already had one whole chocolate bar. And so now we're getting into improper fractions. But it's a lot of fun. And then I talk to them about what would you like? Do you want a banana cake? Do you want it in a circle? Or would you like a rectangle? Just making the links and helping them to see that we do use maths. We need maths in every area of our life. We can bring that into the classroom. It really helps. And I would love to see maths happening across more subjects other than maths. This is going to be opportunities all the time. It doesn't matter what subject you're teaching. There's going to be some maths and number and maths language in there that would help you help the students to have a richer understanding of whatever that activity is or whatever that subject is. And that extends right through to secondary too. That's not just primary. Absolutely. The third one will be know your subject, which is going to be able to make maths real. You do need to know your subject. Your subject is maths. Maths is a subject. It has its own language has its own strategies and procedures, and you do need to learn them. You need to see the big picture of maths, how I know we have a curriculum, and I actually think that's, if you don't really feel the subject, I think having a curriculum is actually quite helpful in that if you might be teaching a particular level of that curriculum, but to know your subject, you actually need to know where did they come from in this curriculum and where are they going to. So don't just unpack the subject at your level. You need to go pre and post. Mm -hmm. And you also need to know your subject so well that you know how the different strands of the subject can go together so that you don't just unpack, well, I'm doing number sense in Number sense isn't so much in the curriculum, which will become an ongoing beef for me probably. Yeah. It just goes into all the other strands. You really can't do geometry strand without having number. 
You certainly can't do the measurement strand without number. And it's more fun when you put them together anyway. It's more engaging. It's more real. That's where the numeracy can come in, where we can talk about well, your PE, for example, your physical education classes and your sports classes. They all need some number. They need some measurement. And we can do a bit of maths with that. I love when the Olympic Games are on and you can use the decimals, the times. I've got a cousin who got beaten out of a bronze medal in Paralympics by 0.03 of a second. And so we were trying to work out that 0.03 actually means and what is three thousandths and why is that different to one thousandth and all that sort of stuff. It's really great. So you can see that's quite a link over between knowing your subject and also making maths real. You have to know it so well that you can see it in real life yourself as a teacher. I feel that as teachers, we do have that responsibility to be able to find where the links are and to be able to answer students' questions. When are we ever going to use this in real life? I think it's important that we do know that. I was just teaching recently a a little child who's, we're looking at tenths, hundredths and thousandths, as you just mentioned. And I was saying how this is so tiny, but we talked about how when he gets to high school, he'll be able to look at cells under a microscope. And that's when we're looking into the hundredths or the, even the thousands. And you could just see his eyes just going, wow. It was such excitement and engagement with what was previously a bland, boring place value, tenths, hundredths, thousands. Do I really have to remember this? I think now he probably will because he engaged with that whole idea of science. He was just fascinated by all that. Yeah, yeah. I think in knowing your subject, you also need to know what visuals work and when. With what strands? I've said the visual of the number line, fantastic for number sense. And that's one of the very best visuals you can use, even and especially when you're getting into fractions and decimals. It's a really powerful way to help students understand those. The 10 frame, as I've mentioned, is of course fantastic for early number, but it's also, I use it with middle and upper primary students as well, for it becomes, as I said, the 10th. It's my visual for a tenth. Hundreds charts become a great visual as long as students can navigate them. So I do a lot of work with students on learning the patterns. We're really looking for the patterns when we build number charts and having to use their language. So that comes on to the next point is maths language. You have to know, as I said, that's part of the subject of maths, that you know your language that's in maths. I do the curriculums and the syllabuses around Australia that do draw that out. They can be, they're quite explicit in saying this is going to be new maths language for the students at this year level. That's good to know. And also check what's the maths language for the last year and what's the maths language for the next year. It doesn't hurt to introduce some maths language from down the track. Again, students love it. I often say to them, you don't have to know this language. This is what students in grade X or year X are going to use. But if you want to, you can say we're counting in ascending order, for example, instead of just counting forwards. And they can get pretty excited about that. It's quite surprising how far you can stretch students. And these again can be students that 
they may be quite down on themselves. So be explicit in your use and your expectation of their use of maths language. So not only do you want to use it correctly to model it correctly and refer to visuals all the time when you're using it, whenever I'm talking about place value ones, tens, hundreds, I'll draw out a, a visual of the columns to point to them, just to remind them that's what I'm talking about. And I expect students to be able to articulate with correct maths language what they're thinking. And that a lot of research on that, that's how children learn, is being, it's the metacognition, being able to articulate it and verbalise it. It comes out in the working mathematically strands of our curriculum. And if you say to a student, how did you work it out? And they say, I don't know. I don't accept that. I will go back to them with some alternatives and you can actually give them some ideas. They'll be honest with you if they say, no, that's not what I did. You might need to draw some pictures or draw attention to some visual models to help them to find the maths language. It's amazing when you start this process with children, how difficult many of the students, particularly who are struggling or don't get maths, cannot articulate their thinking. But if you keep up that expectation, that's what we do around here. They, they get it. And you can prompt them. You can give them the whole sentence if you need to say after me, I counted forwards by twos. And then I, yeah, the total, something like that. Especially if you can see them, you can say, oh, I saw you do that. Or I think I saw what you did. Could you just tell me and just mm. see if you're right? And yeah, it's really helpful if you have seen it. So you prompt students to use it correctly. And if you can also, it's that repetition. You must keep coming back to the same activities. When I work with schools and teachers, I teach them to do numeracy warm-ups with a number sense focus, of course. I say, keep the same ones for quite a while until you and or the child is bored, whichever comes first, because it's really helpful for the students to know the expectations. Students who don't get maths will sit back and wait for their peers to do all the thinking and heavy lifting and all the talking, and they'll just wait. Oh, thank goodness that's over. Whereas if you're coming back again to that tomorrow, and you do it all again in exactly the same way. You can change the numbers, of course, but the activity is essentially the same. They are going to slowly but surely get an idea of what's going on and how it's working and what you are talking about. Mm -hmm. What's all that maths language that you're using? And what are the language their peers are using? And slowly but surely, they will start to lean in. And you can even be really proactive in saying so-and-so, at the end of this, I want you to help give an answer about the number 10. How did you unpack number 10, for example? Mm -hmm. And you could even go over and help them prompt them and rehearse with them what are they actually going to say so that when they say it with success, suddenly they can actually do some maths too. That's certainly something that we have been really trying to get across when I work with schools. The teachers will find a great activity and they'll do it once. And we've been saying since we started the project, the Choose Maths project in 2016, you need to repeat whether it's primary or secondary school. If you're playing a game, they need to learn the rules of the game. They need to learn the strategies. You can't do it in one session. I think it, that came about because there was, 
I don't know, an emphasis on that we must be creative and original all the time. Yeah, so I think we've got to take that pressure away from teachers and say it's actually okay. Not only is it okay, it's actually necessary mm. to repeat. We don't have to have a huge list of games and activities then. We take the pressure off ourselves. It's a whole well-being issue. Oh, I must be creative and original and have a, a million and one games and activities. The other thing about maths language too that we recommend is some sort of language wall or a maths wall that has that language there explicitly so that if the words aren't immediately there, they can go and look at the wall. And yes, I agree. And with a visual, preferably, makes it meaningful. All these ideas are fantastic for students who may have English as a second language. Yeah. Students who any sort of processing difficulties with language, even if English is their first language, any attention difficulties, because just at the moment you taught it last time, they weren't attending. <laughs> so that's, I guess that brings us into the next point is know your students. You have to know what may be their difficulties and therefore what visuals will help them, what stories will be interesting to them. Probably the most important point when I say know your students is you must assess where they're at. One of my concerns with school programming for maths is that sometimes it's written well in advance or it's non-negotiable. You're in year three, you teach year three maths. But what if that's not where your students are at? That is a problem. So I know that's still probably out there in the too hard basket, but hopefully we can find ways to address the fact that this is where my students are at. This is the curriculum expectations for this year. But if you know your subject and you can find some numeracy in real life, you can get around that. And if you keep repeating your activities, you can still get around that more, even for students who are being extended, because you can extend them with your questioning and with your expectation of their maths language. We might be on the same activity, but I'm going to I want more out of you, for example, because I know where you should be going. Yeah. So I do think assessment is vital. When I say assessment, I don't necessarily mean just pen and paper. I probably don't mean pen and paper at all. I'm not in love with pen and paper assessment. I think it's got real difficulties in identifying what a student really can or can't do and what a student really does understand. I think pen and paper can mask a lot of conceptual misunderstandings and a lot of lack of knowledge. Yep. We did a podcast with Nadia and talked a lot about formative assessment. And I talked about at a school that do heaps of formative assessment and never actually look at the results or look at the results and say they got seven out of 10. And then what? Maybe measuring growth, which is a good thing, but not actually assessing what are the things that they don't know? Exactly. We had a big discussion about do we teach the students or do we teach the curriculum? Go together. <laughs> are there big Excel standards anyway? So I think they, they consider them as important as each other. Yeah. Yeah. So small steps, knowing your subject will help you with making the steps smaller. If you know your students, then you know that's what they need. Because if you determined that your students already down on themselves, like I said earlier, saying I'm no good at maths, you need to find a sweet spot where you're giving them activities they can have success in. And I know there's 
a lot of research out about the importance of struggle. We need to be very careful with that for students who don't get maths. There's no point giving them work that they are going to struggle in and continue to feel, I'm no good at maths, I can't do this. Mm. They need some steps to success. So we've got to be careful. What do we mean when we say effective struggle or yeah, productive struggle? Yeah. It's probably, a, it's probably a semantics issue. We probably need another word mm. so that that we don't because get used and keep trying to encourage children to do something that's, or maybe the analogy would be put them in a pool and say, swim. And from the sideline, you're going, struggle is good for you. Yeah, that's not, not helpful. For the ones that don't get it, they've struggled enough that just doing the basics is a struggle for them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So you have to know your students to know mm -hmm. that. And then it goes back to knowing your subject as to what part do we need to focus on. I think as students get older, you do have to cut some out and say, that's not important. To me, yes. what I will always focus on is number sense. I think that number sense is the be all and end all, even as the, even though my research has been more with the young ones, I've done a lot of work with upper primary and even secondary students who are struggling with maths. And it's, I'm just going to focus on number sense with you. And I'm just really excited about the difference. And of course, they're excited about the difference it makes for them. Number six, believe all of your students can learn. It's knowing your students, but it's also, you have to have a belief in students' potential. Because if you believe that they can, you'll be on the lookout for visual models, for strategies, for games, for activities to help them. And you won't give up. You won't fall into what we were saying earlier about society's default is, oh, I can't do maths. And I know there have been teachers in the past. I wish they were further back in the past than some teachers have told me that, as I said, I hear sad stories. And I think, that's not that long ago. I thought we were past that decades ago, but there are still some teachers who will tell students, you shouldn't be in my maths class, you can't do maths, and discourage them from believing in themselves. So I think teachers have to challenge their own thinking around right. students' mm -hmm. potential, because if you put that challenge on yourself and you say, but I taught them, ah, but... Did you teach them in a way that they could learn? Did you look for something else that could make the light bulbs go on for that child? Did you keep looking until you found something else that was helpful for that child to learn? I've worked with schools, with students in special ed schools, and we were looking at number sense. They were young adults, really, and previously... There hadn't really been the expectation that they would know about numeracy or leave school with numeracy skills. And I said, let's look at number sense for these students as well. Let's look at the activities you do across the day and let's try and find the number in it. And they were doing like 10 pin bowling and that became a great number sense activity and they could extend that a little bit more. Let's record the maths that goes with that and be very explicit with our maths language usage. And then I remember the excitement at the end of the year, they were talking about one of the students at the formal 
was sharing and the teachers were just so excited at the difference, the expectations. So we'd raised their expectations as teachers in what the students could do. Mm. And I thought that was pretty exciting and so did the students and so did the teachers and I imagine the parents did too. So lucky last, which I think this would come out of a special ed background, I would think, is specific praise. I think you've got to be quite careful and targeted in the praise that you share with students in a maths class and use your maths language in your praise. That gives mm-hmm. another opportunity to revisit. You'll say something like, that was fantastic how you used your place value language. And you said once you didn't say the number at the end or you will draw attention to the fact that they saw the pattern. You say, I'm so pleased that you saw that pattern and you're using your maths language in your praise itself. So you're letting them know what you think is important in maths, that they use their maths language, that they see the patterns, that they explain themselves. I say things like, you used your maths language very well just then. I really understood you. That was very clear. You praise them for their improved understanding. You praise students for sticking with it. I do believe in in grit and sticking with. One thing I do say is you don't praise speed and it's hard not to. I find I fall back into it because I get so surprised sometimes. Wow, you finished that fast. But be careful of that because if we praise speed, we are making it difficult for the students who take a bit longer to see the patterns, who take a little bit longer to work out a strategy. And we, we make fast the goal. And it's interesting if you ask a group of students who's the best in their maths class, usually they will say a student who finishes their maths first. It's a real expectation by students and by society that if you're good at maths, you must do it quickly. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of evidence of good mathematicians who've gone on to who get Nobel Prizes, etc., who say that they're not great at maths at a speed level. They're great at accuracy and looking for patterns and then coming to a justifiable conclusion. Absolutely. And that's more important yeah. than speed. So be specific with your praise, but avoid praising speed. Right. I think that's my seven. That is absolutely fantastic. And what I love is that you have reinforce the values that that we at AMSI have been trying to put across for years. Now, we've talked about a lot of fantastic stuff and I'm sure you've got lots of other stuff to share. How can people get in touch with you or have a look at the work that you do? Okay. If you listened on the number sense and you're a teacher of students in the first, second or third year of formal school, and every state is different. So I have popped some PowerPoints together. They are available on my website. So if you go to lynseducation.com.au, you can look in the, I think it's a shop or resources tab there. Mm-hmm. And you can get one or all three. They're, they are full of, it's not just what's on the PowerPoint, really. I think the richness is what's in the questions, what questions you can ask to support students, to extend students, 
They are linked to the Australian curriculum and the New South Wales syllabus. You will see how one activity can actually cross quite a number of strands if you're careful about your questioning. And I like that to me that it's, that was what I was saying is know your subject, bring, Mm. bring together the strands. Don't just teach them in isolation. It also is that you do these regularly. You do this PowerPoint regularly so that the students get to use the maths language and the maths language is there as well. What you're going to say, what you expect from them as well. I've also got a one-to-one version of an intervention program there. That's sort of my pre-pilot of my PhD. So if anybody's in learning support or working with a child that you really want to get back to the basics, you can purchase and download that and you can set the range of numbers that you feel that that student is capable of learning. Again, there's a lot of a wealth of information I've shared around how to do that and how to make that successful. There's also examples of how to record your observations of their success. If you're interested in number sense and wanting to assess your students in number sense, you can find a link online, the number knowledge test. That's been the one that I've used in my research. So we'll put a link for that NKT assessment down below as well, which if you want more information on that, I would say that happy to give you some advice on that or if you're wanting help with making sure you implement with fidelity, etc. Or you're interested in benchmarks, I've developed benchmarks for that for students in Australia, the first four years of school. That's great. We'll put all the links on the show notes and anything else that Linnell comes up with in the meantime. And we've said that we'll get together just a little summary of these seven points, just so that you've got them down on paper. I just love visuals. I just to see it was helpful to me in setting it up. And I mm. thought oh, other people might like to just see the seven visuals as well that help students get maths. Yeah. And anybody wants to reach out to me, if you're wanting support as a teacher or as a school, on my website, you'll find a calendar. You can just book in a time. I'm happy to chat to you and see if I can help you in any other ways. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Linnell. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I love talking maths and it sounds like you do too. I love helping kids get excited. And thank you. Once again, I'd like to thank Linnell for her fabulous insights today. If you'd like more information about anything we've spoken about, check the show notes or drop us a line at mathstalk at amc.org.au. Any other suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and goodbye.